What is up, everyone? Welcome to podcast number 24 of the Rockies Now podcast. Today we have Tom with me. Tom, how are you doing? Doing real good. How are you? Doing good. Yes, uh, we've had, for those who are listening, we've had some technical issues, so hopefully this should work, knocking on wood. Um, but yeah, let's get started. Um, so for those who are listening, um, want to get through this very quickly. Uh, we're kind of moving in a different direction for the podcast. We're going to do four segments, um, a little bit longer, um, but hopefully not too long. But uh, yeah, we're going to do four segments for most of our podcast moving on from, from now on. A little bit more uh, orderly uh, format. So uh, let's get started, shall we? Um, starting off with our first segment, um, the Rockies coming off of a series win, a big series win against the Yankees yesterday. Um, wonderful game, uh, if you guys were watching. Um, Tom, I'm going to start off with my positives, if you don't mind, and then you can go in, into your positive from yesterday. I have players. Um, and for those who are listening, um, for the positives, we're, it, it can be players or it can be just the whole vibe of what you felt throughout the series. So today I decided to go players because, you know, some players stuck out to me more than, other, more than others. Um, the first player that I'm going to go with is Nolan Jones. Um, this year he's hitting 288 uh, with a 369 on base percentage um, and an OPS of 877, excuse me. Um, seven home runs and 17 RBI. So he's starting to become the rookie that I think a lot of us were hoping that he would be. And so far he's doing pretty well. The power is definitely there. Um, we've seen a lot of, I think almost all of his home runs have been at least 450 feet um, according to Statcast. Um, in his last seven games, however, not doing so well, uh, uh, 182 batting average, 217 on base percentage and a 455 slugging percentage. But I think in this series, Nolan Jones, um, he was very, very crucial in, in, in the series. True, uh, he had two big home runs uh, against the Yankees in the series. They were late home runs, one yesterday, um, that helped the Rockies uh, win the game. And then uh, the one on Friday night. Um, Nolan Jones is my first guy. really like him. I think he could be a very big piece in this Rockies team moving forward. Hopefully the Rockies can have him. I like him in the outfield. I think he sticks better there. However, you can put him at first base, and he can even play third base as well, so I like the versatility there. Number two, um, we're moving quickly, is Justin Lawrence. Uh, really liked what I've seen some from him. His last seven games, he has posted a 1.08 ERA, three saves, uh, through eight in one-third innings, 11 strikeouts, and a very good whip of 0 0.96. Really, really like that from Justin Lawrence. Looks sharp in the series. Um, hopefully the Rockies do not trade him and they can build a bullpen around him. I think Justin Lawrence definitely could be a closer in the future. And then my last player, uh, talking about the positives here in segment, segment one is CJ Crone, uh, has really come on in the last week or so hitting 296, 321 on base percentage and 630 slugging, um, like that from him, you know, from him having the cert, not the surgery, uh, the injury, um, he's been, starting to get hot and, and we really like that. And I think he might be a very good trace piece coming up with uh, the trade deadline coming up in a few weeks um, at August 1st. So, um, and plus just like Nolan Jones, he had two home runs in the series. Um, and not only that, but he's had three home runs in seven games. And so those are my three players. Um, Tom, uh, what are your thoughts? Um, what's your positives on the Yankee series? 
Well, first of all, I think the positive first, I've been smiling, even though the game and the series ended yesterday, I still can't stop smiling for the fact that they won a series. <laughs> yeah. They both won the series and B, it was against a winning team or a team that could be potentially projected to make the playoffs. And me personally, just to put on the record, my bottom three teams in baseball in no particular order are the Cubs, the Astros, and the Yankees. And anytime the Yankees lose, especially to the Rockies or the White Sox, my face smiles for a couple of days. Yeah. So um, that's a big positive. You know, coming out of the All-Star break, this has been a gloomy season to be expected. You got a lot of young players trying to find their way, veterans trying to establish their value. Um, so, you know, a series win like this is huge, and especially how it ended with a walk-off, a big positive from Alan Treo. That was a great time to hit your first home run of the season, let me tell you that. Um, but, yeah, real quick on – positives my uh, that's a big positive for me this definitely gives this young team confidence and you know some veterans perform particularly well some guys who we can who really increase their trade value so real quick a big positive for somebody who i could see the rockies using in the not just this season but future seasons because he's under team control for a couple more years is austin gomber i mean we've got to get i mean he pitched it was on it was in it was on um 14th it was on the July 14th game six innings two earned runs that's a quality start mm-hmm. and he has allowed and he has had a quite a stretch in the last three starts he's gone at least six innings and allowed fewer than three than three earned runs so I, I mean after his first last season his first rough year uh was a rough year for him um since coming over in the Nolan Arenado trade he has had a tough time adjusting to the being at home in Colorado, but this year he's had particularly well. In the last couple of starts, he's been very, very good for the Rockies. So yeah, that's great to see, especially from a lefty. Um, and to point out two guys who have had, who've done very well in the last seven games and are really trade pieces for the Rockies. I'll start with Rendell Grichik. You know, last seven games, his slash time is 348, 423 on base and six and a 826 slugging. And that's in two, um, 23 at bats and again small sample size but it increases his trade value because if I'm a contending team looking for a fourth outfielder or maybe a guy who's not a slugger but is a defensive could be a good defensive third outfielder I'm mm-hmm. calling Bill Schmidt for him and the other guy I you know I'm on talking about I think the Rockets should trade this guy and give Michael Toglia his uh, start his at bats at first base that's CJ Crone he has been a great veteran for this team for the past couple of years but I think, you know, Bill Schmidt, if there's one if one of the guys he should trade, it's him. Um, you know, he had the grand slam yesterday. So that definitely increased his value. Um, so that's another guy who is a big positive. But, of course, the big positive, it's a series win against the Yankees at home. And now you got the Astros coming, which we'll talk about a little later. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we had a couple of viral plays, I guess, over the series. The first one I forgot to mention was uh, Justin Lawrence, that sweeper strikeout against Billy McKinney that hit him in the like the lake. I love that video. Um, a lot of Yankees fans were upset about that. But, I mean, Justin Lawrence, man, I mean, he looks really – 50 strikeouts this year in 48 innings. I mean, that's not huge, but you take a look at his whip, and I, I really like whip. It's, it's one of my favorite stats in baseball. Mm-hmm. 1.10 whip, that's very, very good. Um, and you know, three of his five saves, again, like I mentioned, three of his five saves have been in the last week, the last seven games or so. So you really like that from him. Um, and then when, you know, you're talking about the Alan Trejo walk-off, uh, and you probably have seen this video. Um, 
of the Yankees announcer jinxing it. Um, that, that, that made me laugh. And, you know, a lot of Yankees fans were giving me a hard time about that. And, um, but yeah, that was just awesome. I mean, it was a great, great way to start the second half because I mean, if the Rockies lose that game, it's not the way you wanted to start off, but, um, yeah, it, it was a, it was a really fun series. Um, a number of positives come out of it. Um, and you know, I think we're going to move on to our second segment, which is the negatives of this past series or, or, or our thoughts on certain players or what's going on in the franchise right now. Um, I didn't write him down, but I think one of them is uh, Antonio Sinzatella. Um, again, I didn't have him originally on my list that I wrote about an hour ago. Uh, Sinzatella was uh, throwing a bullpen, I believe, last week, last week, I think, in San Francisco. And uh, sad news, but unfortunately, he's going to require Tommy John surgery, so he'll be done for the rest of the year and most likely next year as well. So that's a big loss for the Rockies. Uh, feel bad for the guy. He only had about one or two stars this year, uh, not to mention he missed about half of last year uh, with his ACL injury. So props to Antonio. Um, if he's listening to this, hope he feels better and uh, he can you know, bounce back in a big way in 2025 or whenever he returns. But um, I have three three guys. Again, today I'm sticking with players. Maybe next time I'll do more of a uh, different uh, you know approach to it. But um, my number one player in terms of negatives is Chris Bryant. Um, I know he got a home run on Friday night, and he's you know gotten a couple hits in the series. But um, the guy, you know, it, it, and listen, I, I'm not trying to be mean to Chris Bryant by any means. I mean, he's Chris Bryant. I mean, he's had a World Series trophy. He's um, won an MVP. He's been Rookie of the Year. But the Rockies signed him to be a not necessarily a superstar, but a, a guy that can contribute. Uh, every single day at the at the plate, and in this series he wasn't terrible, but he this year he's been creating a lot of soft contact when it hasn't gone well for him. Um, a lot of ground balls, um, and he's I don't know he's getting jammed a little bit inside, and you know I think you've seen it too is he's getting jammed in a little bit, and I think that's the approach that a lot of pitchers um, have been giving him, and so you know you do have that, but I, I think Chris Bryant for me he needs to get hot. I think he needs to start getting on base a little bit more. I'm fine with singles and doubles, but, you know, I think he just needs to be, you know, I'm not asking him to be the next, I mean, not necessarily to be, you know, the 2000, you know, 15, 2016 Chris Bryant. I just want him to, you know, get on base once or twice every single game. And, you know, he, he did get a couple of hits in the series, which is good, but I feel like he could be doing more. Um, you know, he only has, I believe, like 21 or 22 RBIs on the season. And, uh, you know, he's played in about 60 or 70 games or so, something like that. So I'd like to see a little bit more from him. Um, number two, I have Jake Bird. Um, this one actually kind of surprised me a little bit because Jake Bird has actually so far been kind of solid this year, especially in the first couple of months. He was really, really solid. And not to mention, I think he is right up there in the leaderboards for uh, most inning, innings pitched in terms of relievers in the National League. Um this one caught my eye. Um, he has an ERA of near seven in his last seven appearances. Uh, yesterday, I believe it was yesterday, um, he kind of got roughed up a bit by the Yankees. And, of course, that Yankees lineup, I think, is going to get better with uh, Sean Casey as their new hitting coach. So that's a little bit of concern there. Um, but I, I think Jake Bird, I mean, it's, it's natural. These these things are going to happen. But Jake Bird didn't look all that great. Um, you know, the other day he left a couple pitches out of the zone. Uh, for some walks, and then he gave up a, a few down the middle. But I think those are fixable for sure. I think it's just 
know, one of those things they happen, but um, that's a negative, you know, hopefully he can pick that up, which I think he will. And then the obvious one, which I think a lot of Rockies fans can agree with me on this and probably know who I'm talking about. And that is Connor Siebold. Um, he had a very rough start against the Yankees um, on Saturday. Um, and his ERA is right around nine and a half in his last seven starts and his last, you know, seven, seven games he's pitched in with a whip of 1.65. Um, and one thing, Tom, that came out the other day, and uh, I think I posted this on the, on the story, but uh, Connor Siebold believes that he's been t- tipping a lot of his pitches this year, which no wonder, you know, I, I think a lot of, you know, baseball players these days are just starting to pick up the baseball more and starting to notice things a little bit more by watching video. Uh, that sort of thing. So, um, yeah, I, I think Connor Siebold, you know, I, hopefully he bounces back. You know, I really like would like to see him bounce back to where he was when he pitched in Pittsburgh a couple months ago when he got his first win. Um, and then uh, the start in Boston, he pitched really well against a very good Boston lineup. You know, I think that's what we need. And I think Connor Siebold can be that good. It's just that he needs to start, you know, being a little bit more careful. Don't, you know, tip your pitches and, you know, maybe, you know, I think command is a big issue, too. I think a lot of these Rocky starters that are, you know, getting their first year in, in the big leagues are you know, struggling with command. And that's usually natural, right? You know, that, that's going to happen. But uh, I think those are my three guys for the negatives in this past series. There, there's a couple guys that I could also mention. But, um, you know, it, it's nothing huge, but it just keep an eye on. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, and to your well, real quick point about uh, the Yes Network reaction to the walk-off of Alan Treo. Yeah, hearing John Flaherty kind of <laughs> call the announcer's uh, former Yankees catcher called the kind of the jinx there. That was a uh, perfect timing, I suppose. It, it definitely did bring a smile to my face. Um, but uh, no, to your point about Chris Bryant, it's interesting how you talk about. You know, the pitchers are jamming him, which is a way to get to him sometimes. Even I remember days, his days in the, with the Cubs, he would, that's how a lot of pitchers would try to attack him, try and, you know, knock the bat out of his hands, go in on his hands. And he often, when there were times, he would be very lit on fastballs. And I've noticed this year, especially, he struggled with inside fastballs, whether it's hitting them or laying off the ones that are too far inside, or of course, being late on them, the ones he does make contact with. So. Yeah, he, uh, it's definitely been a rough start to his Rockies career as far as, um, you know, living up to that contract. You know, people are screaming, you know, why didn't we re-sign Trevor Story? Instead, you gave us Chris Bryant. Well, Trevor Story's recovering from a big injury right now. So that's one way, that's one way to look at it. But yeah, I agree. He needs to, you know, use that veteran knowledge to get himself back on, on base because the Rockies are going to be successful in future years with him on the roster he's going to need to be that better. He's not going to be 20. We don't need him to be 2016 Chris Bryant, but we do need him to provide some solid production in the heart of that lineup. That's where he's going to be. Um, and to your point about a negative on Antonio Sensatella, that is a really unfortunate injury for him. As you pointed out, he had the ACL injury. Now he's got a Tommy John. It's just really unfortunate for him. Not to mention also Kyle Freeland is now in the 15-day DL re- re- retro Retro back to July 11th. I double checked it. And it's crazy. According to the Rockies depth chart, they only have three starting pitchers on their current depth chart. Mm. It's, it's crazy. And currently, they have a total of 13 players on the aisle, three are position players, but 10 pitchers. And I've talked, we talked about this previously. It's just 
I mean, how this team is staying afloat with so few, with as many arms as they've used both in the rotation and out of the bullpen, it's just incredible what, you know, Bud Black, again, being a former pitcher himself, has done a great job managing innings, trying to get things through. And I know fans are screaming, you know, DFA this guy or I hate this guy. Well, unfortunately, we don't have many options at this point. I mean, there's right. not, we can't, we can't just pick and pull guys out of Albuquerque and everything. It's not that simple. But the good news is, as we did here the other day, Tyler Kinley is heading to a rehab assignment, and I do believe Brendan Rodgers as well. So finally, we're going to see, it's going to be very encouraging to see those two back once they return. But I mean, a guy who's on the pitching staff, who's been cold, and like I said, uh, you know, we have no choice but to go to some of these guys. Chase Anderson, I mean, he pitched well on the July 16th game against the Yankees, went five innings, didn't give up an earned run. So he was very instrumental in yesterday's walk-off win. He didn't allow any of the damage, but still, in his four starts before that, um, he didn't go past four innings, and he allowed five or more runs in his last four starts. So he has had a rough go about. Um, but again, you know, he's, you know, taking the ball every so often and giving starts and trying to eat up innings, you know. It's the unfortunate truth of this rocky season. So many pitching injuries, it's really difficult to keep them close. And one guy who is a stable with the Rockies, you know, Ryan McMahon, again, who leads all of, I think it's, is it, is, do you know if it's just National League third baseman or is it all Major League third baseman? Does he lead them all in defensive run states? National League. Just the National League? Yeah. Okay. Okay, well, that's a, that's a huge plus in him, but the negative in his last seven games, he has a slash line of 179, 207, and 286. So he's on one of his cold streaks right now. And like I said, if the Rockies are going to be successful, down the stretch. I'd like to see him get hot for a good stretch of time and maybe see if he can provide some consistency, be a consistently not hot all of the second remainder of the season, but just not have as many lengthy cold streaks is what I like to see out of him at the plate. Because he's he could like I said, he is a piece going forward that could be that'd be to be part of the next Rockies contender. So we'll see how he finishes out the season. I'm very interested to see how he does. And again, I love to see could, I think this could be the year we finally Nolan Arenado is um, is knocked off his throne as the what is it, I think it's what eight or nine I have to look it up I'm sorry, my apologies for not how many consecutive Gold Gloves he's won for third baseman in the National League I think this is finally the year he does not win it um, and then last guy when it comes to the trade I know I mentioned two guys who have increased their trade value for Bill Schmidt to move uh, in Crone and Grichik but one guy who is on a one year deal who is in the last but last seven games, who has not improved his value, especially considering he um, also has a he actually has a negative 0.9 WAR on the season, and that is Jerickson Profar. I mean, his last seven games, he's hitting 217, with a 308 on base percentage, and 261 slugging. And I know he's not a power hitter, and he's never been a everyday star player. But again, I don't know. If, I don't know what Bill Schmidt would be able to get. He could probably only be traded as a, like a depth piece for a contending team, which is ideal, but you know, he's not exactly hot at this point in time. So, mm-hmm. but you know, it's, it's, it's going to be very, well, you, we'll talk more once the trade deadline approaches, but you know, I mean, there are plenty of good pieces that contending teams can pull off this Rockies team that could definitely help them as they make their final push into the postseason and as part of the postseason roster as well. Yeah. And another guy is Harold Castro. He hasn't really done much. I mean, he had a very good spring training, if you remember. I mean, he was hitting very well. You know, he wasn't hitting home runs, but almost every single game, he would get like one or two base hits. 
And of course we've seen before, you know, that usually doesn't carry over to the regular season. Um, you know, Harold Castro might get you something like one or, or, you know, uh, one pitcher maybe, but uh, you know, I think Harold Castro with the thing that is going on with, you know, Brendan Rogers, who I think is going to be back probably, this is just my guess. Um, not well, going back to Brendan Rogers, apparently instead of going to the Arizona complex league, he's already going to Spokane. I, I think, um, either that or Fresno, but I think, you know, if that's the case, you're talking Brendan Rogers might be back in the next, I don't know, week or week and a half. So you're looking at Hill Castro probably, again, I mentioned this before, I don't see him getting traded. I think it'll probably be a, a DFA for him. Um, and I think it, it's not that he, he's been bad. I and mean, usually a DFA doesn't mean that he's a bad player. No, but it's just like you need to create room on your roster. And I don't think Hill Castro is going to get you anything much um, at the trade deadline. Uh, but who knows? We'll see. Maybe you know somebody will, you know, like Harold Castro, that will be like, hey, we'll get you off of uh, your hands and you know, we'll give you this guy. So we'll see. Um, but yeah, when you were talking about Ryan McMahon, um, yeah, like I, I really like Ryan McMahon. Of course, you know he's in that cold stretch right now. But uh, you might remember a, a while ago when he was really, really hot, where he had like four or five straight games with home runs. I think it was at the end of May, going into June. Um, and one thing that's surprising to me is that he didn't win nationally player of the week, which I think he did. Oh no, I don't think he didn't. Um, I think was it Matt McLean of the Reds, um, mm-hmm. had recently come up and, um, you know, he was playing very well, but honestly, in some ways, I believe that Rymac deserved that player of the week award just because of what he was doing. I mean, uh, not to mention, I think it was that game in Arizona, I think it was Memorial day where he was just, I believe a single or a double away from the cycle. And he went like four for four. It was crazy. And I remember, you know, I was like, the Rockies might actually make history, you know, and yeah, we were losing, but it was, it was exciting. And I'm, I was really excited. And when I found out that he didn't win player of the week, I was shocked. I was like, what, you know, wow. Yeah. I mean, congrats to the Matt McClain kid, but I kind of feel like Ryan McMahon kind of got snubbed there a little bit, but uh, hopefully Ryan Mack can, you know, get it in one of those hot streaks again, which I think he will. You know, I think he's just, you know, that, and that's the thing for Ryan Mack. He, he'll have these stretches. Well, he'll be cold for, you know, two or three weeks, which, you know, is somewhat frustrating, can be frustrating. Um, his, his strikeout numbers are not very good this year. And that's the thing about Ryan Mack. He likes to swing, you know, and, and, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, there's a lot of hitters that like to do that, you know. Um, some of the best hitters in baseball, they like to swing a lot. So, um, but, yeah. And, I, uh, one, and, and one more, sorry, but one more point I'd like to make about Ryan Mack, too. I think he also got snubbed in the all-star game. Absolutely. I think because yep. I just pulled it up here. I just want to make, um, cause I really like Ramak. He is going to be a P if for the next Rockies contender, he is definitely, I could see being the third baseman. I'm looking at his rankings in the nationally among nationally third baseman. He, I mean, this is obviously post all-star voting and everything or put some of the rest, but currently he ranks among all nationally third basemen. He ranks third at with a 791 OPS behind Hamer Candelario of the Washington Nationals and of course Nolan Arenado. Right, yeah. And and both I mean, I don't think Nolan Arenado is gonna get traded. However, we don't know that could happen no. because St. Louis is having a terrible year, but I don't think they're gonna move on from the core. I think uh John Mazeliak just said the other day that he has no intentions on trading those guys. Um and then Candelario, you know, we know that the Nationals are probably in sub mode right now, and he's probably going to be the one that goes. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, that that's an interesting. That's I never I never realized that. That's interesting, and and for Rymac to have that OPS and those numbers, like Ryan Ryan McMahon, when he's hot, he's arguably one of the best third basemen in baseball. It's just that right now, 
even through this cold streak, he's still third in that list. And that's just incredible. And, and not only that, but defense, like, you know, and it's just like, it, it, sometimes it bothers me. I know yesterday it wasn't great. Um, like McMahon made a couple of errors and um, it's kind of interesting how he shaved because I had a, some people say, is he going to the Yankees? I'm like, no, don't worry. But you know, Ryan McMahon, I mean, he, when he's good, he's really good. And when he's not so good, he's actually not terrible at least his defense is still there. Like even when he's not doing well offensively, defensively, you know, he's going to be there making plays at third base and he's been solid. And I think one thing that's, that's really, you know, great is that, you know, when Arenado got traded, a lot of people were like, Oh no, now the left side of the infield is going to be a little bit or a lot weaker because of Nolan leaving. Actually it's been somewhat better in, in many categories, you know, in terms of DRS and defensive war it's been incredible. And so you have to like that from Ryan McMahon. No, absolutely. I mean, even if you go a step further, um, you know, he, the one thing negative about him is he has this year, especially in 91 games, he has 117 strikeouts. So that's a little high for my taste. And, you know, obviously he's not a guy that's going to hit for a 300 plus average. I mean, 254 currently, that's still very, very, that's still quite good. I mean, it's better than Max Muncy who's hitting 192, uh, but that's a different type of hitter. <laughs> um, but uh, I mean, you know, the Dodgers can keep that can keep that uh, on their roster. But the point is, yeah, I do agree. Ryan McMahon, you know, I think you know he's not going to be he's not going to have the career that Nolan Arenado is having or had or will have when it's all said and done. But he is a I think he is a solid major league third baseman. He's a great defender. And him and Tovar can be a big, a great defensive wall there on that side of the infield for a couple for a number of years. And, you know, like I said before, I do believe Bill Schmidt should trade CJ Krohn. And I would love to see the young infield of Togley at first, Rogers at second, Tovar at short, and McMahon at third. And I think, you know, you get a, if, if that's the case, you can gauge, you see, is this the infield you can use as a young infield for? Is that the infield of your future? So it will be. It will be interesting to see how. Ryan, I like to see Ryan McMahon definitely finish strong with the rest of the season, but we'll see. Yeah, one more player I want to talk about before we get to uh, the fan answering questions. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Ezekiel Tobar, like the defense of that man mm-hmm. is incredible. I mean, it's Gold Glove defense. I believe. I personally believe, and actually, the Rockies GM Bill Schmidt said this several times this year. Um, I believe he's going to win gold gloves for sure. No, no question. Like already, I think Tovar is one of the best defensive shortstops this year. I think he might be behind Dansby Swanson. Um, might have to double check me on that. Um, but Tovar has been really, really good this year, not only with the defense, but his bat is starting to come around to where he's not swinging at that outside slider. Uh, he's starting to be a little bit more disciplined at the plate. And I believe he's sitting like in the 260. I think it was like 262 last time I checked. Um, 262, I need... yeah, it's 262. Yep. And and this year there are questions, especially in April. It was just miserable. There are questions of whether, hey, do we send this guy back down? Do we need to sign a guy off of free agency? But I think the Rockies, which I'm glad that they did. I'm I'm glad the the Rockies said no. We're going to stick with Tovar because if you look at and here's a thing that just reminded me of, uh, of something. So over the weekend, you know, when I was watching the Rockies games, um, on AT&T Sportsnet, they brought up this graphic of the Rockies shortstop throughout history. Uh, 
Tulo and Trevor Story were next to Tovar, and they compare the stats, very similar numbers between Tovar and Tulo, very similar, especially in their rookie seasons. But Tovar, I believe, had a better DRS, I think, better defensive run saved, and I think he had a slightly higher batting average and more home runs. And so I found that very, very exciting. And not only that, but Tulo and Tovar, which I like the last name too. I mean, I, it must be the name. I don't know. Um, but they're very similar. Like, and I'm not, you know, I, you know, it's a little bit too much pressure, but why not? I mean, this guy was, uh, came up through the Rockies, uh, Dominican summer league, which I think is among the best in baseball. The Rockies do a very good job in their, uh, DSL leagues and bringing up young ball players. For instance, Yankee Fernandez, this is a name we'll talk about, uh, in other podcasts, but Yankee Fernandez, I think he'll be a starting outfielder, uh, in the future for the Rockies, if they give him a spot, um, uh, you know, the Rockies, they do a very good job. But going back to Tovar, this guy, I think, is going to be a future all-star, future gold glover, 100%. What do, what do you think? I agree. In fact, I think, you know, with Brendan Rodgers already having a gold glove and Ryan McMahon being nominated before in, pre- in a few previous seasons, uh, I do agree with you on defense. He is, he's got good range. He's got good footwork. He moves well both laterally. And laterally side to side and going back and forth. Now we haven't, and he does pretty. And now if I had to say personally, there's one thing he could improve on, but I haven't seen much of it. Is going backwards on fly balls because some short young shortstops tend to, when they get to a major league ballpark, you got the noise, the nuances, and the pressure of being in the major league level. You know, guys tend to lose their forget their communication skills when it comes to communicating with outfielders. So, but yes, defensively, he has Gold Glove potential. And offensively, I just pulled up the rankings among National League shortstops here. He currently is fourth in OPS among National League shortstops, trailing Lindor, Swanson, and the guy who just signed a monster deal with the Padres, Xander Bogarts. I mean, those are Hall of Fame players right there. Oh, yeah. Those are Hall of Fame caliber players there. In fact, he – well, I mean, this other guy here, he had a putrid start to the year, you know, Trey Turner. Mm He even leads him. But, again, a terrible start to his big contract. But again, you know, the fact that he ranks fourth among, in, a, in, a, in, a statistical, in a statistic that is very gaugeable when it comes to evaluating hitters, you know, that's very positive, especially considering you, we, you and I have both pointed out, he had a very tough start to the season, which you know, the wrong type of player who is not meant to be at the majors would have tucked his head between his legs and just walked back to, the, to AAA. You know, he hung in there, and I, you make a very astute point when it comes to laying off those outside platters because that is a pitch and location that a lot of pitchers, particularly, especially right-handers, and then left-handers coming inside, laying off that slider. He's done a very good job adjusting um, to that. In fact, let me just make sure I have this right. He, in 87 games, he only has 87 strikeouts. So that's a positive. He's making contact. He's not making himself look like a fool and just, you know, waving that bat around and coming up with not making any contact with the baseball. So, no, I agree. He definitely has future all-star potential. And I do agree. And the fact I, it's good that you compared him to Tulo um, in terms of comparing him to Trevor Story, his uh, predecessor, you know, Story has a lot more power, obviously, but Tovar, I definitely still has the potential to be the Rocky shortstop for a number of years. He's proving that for sure. Yeah. And hopefully the Rockies can give him the money and uh, sign to that big contract. And I think, I think we might see an extension by the end of the year. Um, but we'll have to see. Maybe the Rockies are going to maybe be a little bit more careful. But I think 
if there's a guy on the Rockies team that deserves an extension, that's that's Ezekiel Tovar. Um, I I just real quick, I personally think I think it wouldn't be surprise me if they asked Tovar in his representation if he'd be interested. But I think if anything, I think Bill. Sh- this is just me talking. I'm trying to put myself in Bill Schmidt's shoes. Mm-hmm. Maybe I like to see because you know typically those some players have that sophomore slump. I, if I'm Bill Schmidt, I'd like to see him go through his sophomore campaign in his second year and then make and then probably make that decision about asking Ezekiel, hey, are you interested in a you know interested in a, in a guaranteed contract that buys out you know you all the way to free agency? Are you interested? That that's that's my personal approach. But I but he's definitely enter really started to bring up that conversation for sure i would agree uh okay let's move on to segment number three we're going to be answering your guys's questions thank you to those who uh listen to our podcast regularly and those who follow me on instagram uh we got a few questions so i picked a a few of them out uh some really good questions from you all um first one from d whalen 24 uh he says aside from maybe tobar and we were just talking about this. Um, should the Rockies consider anyone else maybe untouchable? Like, should the Rockies add basically anyone else to their untouchable list? Um, Tom, you can go first. Ooh, that's a very good question. Because um, it's tough. I mean, I, I mean, it, the old kind of saying that I, heard, I remember, um, the legendary broadcaster Ken LaHawk Harrelson once said, the only athlete that he ever that he thought was ever untradeable was Michael Jordan. So, ha-ha on that one. Yeah. Um, just kind of a Chicago joke. And for those of you who don't know, who have never heard, I'm from Chicago. So I grew up watching Jordan and the Bulls in the, in the, in the 90s. Um, but anyway, to the question, that's a very, hmm, because, yeah, the, I mean, I can, I, I can definitely think of the players who are tradable easily, which is the guys who are on expiring contracts. But as far as guys who I think are untouchable, um, personally, I will, obviously the Rockies just traded for him. So I would think Nolan Jones is not tradable and definitely Ryan. I'm not sure why anybody would want to, I mean, Ryan McMahon's on an affordable contract at this point. So I could see teams asking Bill Schmidt, Hey, are you interested in getting rid of your young baseman? That's an untouchable, but, um, Tovar is definitely a no, but other, I'm trying to, this is a good question. Let me just, if you, if you just bear with me for a second to, yeah. The listeners here for a second. I'm just going to pull up the Rockies roster, just making sure I don't forget anybody because it is a very, very good question. And There's a lot of good players on the roster that you could just say, I'd like to see that guy stick around. Um, and, you know, there's like, again, like Tovar, you know, Nolan Jones. Yeah. I think he. Well, okay. Well, here's all right. Well, anyway, I know, well, I guess because uh, I just heard it today, a guy, of course, Elias Diaz, I know his name is out there. I know that there are a number of the contending teams who could use a catch of his prowess because he is offensive, is a great, he's a good offensive player, but he's also a good defensive catcher. The pitchers love working with him. Uh, even in Pittsburgh, I heard, I read good things about him, even though he wasn't obviously hitting to the caliber that he is now with the Rockies. So uh, it's, personally I have to say Elias Diaz I gotta say is a player I, I wouldn't say he's untouchable I mean if Bill Schmidt gets blown away by an offer where a team just says okay I want him what's it going to take then I would definitely have to seriously consider it but I wouldn't say he's untouchable I would say he's somebody I do not want to trade and as far as other players there's one 
The only other guy, I don't, it's weird because I thought I, there's two outfielders who I would not want to trade. I know it wouldn't surprise me if, if people are asking Bill Schmidt or have in the past have asked about Michael Taglia because he is a switch hitter. He plays first base and he can play right field if needed. So I would say in terms of the young players, so yeah, Elias Diaz is my veteran who I would say is not tradable or I would not want to trade. But as far as young players that are on the roster or have been on the roster, on the 40 men, I would say Michael Taglia because I think he, if he gets every day at bats, I think he could be the first baseman for the next several years. And I think he should be given those at bats for the rest of the season once Bill Schmidt trades CJ Crow, which I hope, I think he should. So those are two players, a veteran and a young player on the 40 man that I think should stick around. Yeah. And, you know, totally, uh, I mean, coming out of the uh, 2019 draft, I mean, a lot of people eye this guy as the potentially next Todd Helton. And, you know, because uh, I believe that was the first Rockies first round pick to be a first baseman since Todd Helton, if I'm correct. And so that was a, that was a huge pick. And a lot of people had this guy as the future Rockies first baseman. And uh, I, I agree with you there. Um, you know, I think, you know, like what we saw yesterday, I mean, what's so interesting and what's so exciting about Toglia is that two of his three home runs have come off of potentially Hall of Fame pitchers. You know, you got Garrett Cole, and then his first one came off of Kenley Jansen, who is mm-hmm. a very elite reliever, and he's had very good numbers against the Rockies. And last year, Toglia had his first career home run in Atlanta against, you know, Kenley Jansen. So there's a lot to like there. And, and you know, Toglia has got power, you know, and if you give him regular playing time, He's gonna do well, and I, you know, and I'm really excited about Toglia, and hopefully the Rockies can, you know, keep him up because I, I really don't like seeing guys that have potential get sent down unless if they need some a little bit of tweaking here and there, um, or if they need like a little bit more playing time than you know what they're getting up in the big leagues. But yeah, I, I fully agree with you there. Um, for me, um, I think my untouchable would be Kyle Freeland. I'm just gonna throw that name out there because, and I. I know some fans might be like, well, he hasn't been all that good since 2018, so why drop? Like, why not drop him? Well, first of all, um, you know, you know, as a Colorado guy myself, you know, I love homegrown pitching, and I think that's the way to go, um, especially for Colorado. But I think it would be important for Kyle because it wouldn't be much fun for your, you know, for your favorite team, the, the team that you grew up rooting for, to trade you or to DFA you. That's just – I don't, I don't, it doesn't feel right. And I don't think the Rockies would do that. To be honest with you, I, I feel like Freeland will be a Rocky for his career. Um, and plus Freeland is now starting to go over into his prime of his career. And, uh, you know, hopefully he has several years ahead of him. But I, I just feel like Freeland is that guy that you want to keep in your rotation. And another one I was thinking about is Marquez. However, you know, if the Rockies do trade Marquez, they can get some decent prospects out of him. But, um, you know, I could put Marquez there as well. You know, I'll put him number two. But personally for me, I would definitely have Freeland as a part of my untouchable list just because, you know, he like and he's been consistent. You know, it's not like he's had other than 2019. He's been consistent, like consistent in terms of his strikeout rate, his ER rate. He's just he he's that guy on that mound that, you know, he doesn't want to quit. His athleticism is very good. He's made very good plays on the field. He's willing, like we saw last week, you know, when he got injured, he's willing to go for a ball in the infield and, you know, that might hurt him and, you know, in, in, in danger. And Freeland is that guy that wants to compete 
and he's that competitor on the mound. He doesn't want to quit. And, you know, when he has a bad start, he'll tell you. He'll show you on the mound that, you know, he's not doing well. And I think that's what the Rockies need, and I think the Rockies love Freeland, and I, I, I love him too. And hopefully the Rockies can, you know, keep him in that rotation uh, moving forward because I just feel like, you know, not only is he a Colorado kid, but I think he is kind of a leader in that rotation. Um, you know, and in some ways he could be arguably be somewhat the ace, I guess. But, you know, of course Marquez is kind of in that role right now. But, um, but yeah, I would, I would add Freeland to that list um, just because of his leadership and um, his gameship that he has on the mound. No, yeah, I would agree, especially – just to point out, I mean, having a career ERA of 4.32 and a career ERA plus of 113, having played with the pitch at altitude a good chunk of your now seven-year career, I think it definitely speaks volume that, as you point out, he has been a staple in that rotation. I think he, I think, I agree, he's somebody who can still be, give you those routine, solid starts and eat up good innings and be productive i believe is the way way to put it he's a productive starter at altitude so i agree yeah moving on to the next question we got one from gilbert cox thank you gilbert for your question he says what happened to my boy daza is he coming back um if i'm correct i believe a couple weeks ago he had season ending surgery i believe it was his arm or his elbow i forget what it happened but he was in double a not double a excuse me triple a and uh you know he was you know taken off the list and he was removed from a, a game i believe and uh the medical trainers noticed something was wrong and uh they noticed that you know he needed season ending surgery so daza unfortunately is done for the year but i think he's still with triple a you know traveling with them so that kind of hurts the rockies outfield depth a little bit but at the same time, though, I think with Daza out, you know, you know, even though it's unfortunate, it gives guys like Nolan Jones and Michael Toglia, you know, open spots, um, you know, on the roster. And, and, and that's important, too, you know. And listen, I love Daza, but, you know, he just doesn't have the power that Jones has had, you know, and, and, and um, Toglia. And, and not to mention, I mean, you know, if we see some trades, we might see some other guys that are doing and, – and Brent Doyle, too. I mean, the reason why I think Doyle is up – and that's a guy that we haven't mentioned in the podcast, you know, today. And I, and he has struggled ever since, you know, his, I believe, May when he was doing really well uh, before he got hurt and he ran into that wall, I believe, it was in the Marlins series. Um, and uh, the Rockies ended up winning that game. But, um, you, know, I, I, you know, I'm kind of happy that, you know, uh, da, you know Daza – you know, is in triple A just because, you know, he's getting that playing time, but also too, it gives the younger guys, you know, their playing time up in the big leagues and no offense to Daza, but I feel like Daza is not a part of the future um, as bad as that may sound, but I, I love Daza. I mean, he, he gets on base um, again, like I said, he doesn't get a lot of home runs, maybe one or two a year, but you know, he gets on base, but I think if you want, you know, better skills out on the field. I'd rather have Doyle over Daza uh, 100% just because of, you know, the defense, the speed, the power that Doyle has, which has kind of gone down again since May. Hopefully, I'm really hoping, I mentioned this on my threads page the other day. I'm hoping Doyle has a very good second half to where he just makes himself the the future center fielder or at least a big part of this lineup because I, I feel like if it doesn't work for Doyle, it's unfortunate because just like 
he is, you know, what we saw in late May was incredible where he had that two homer game against Cincinnati and he made uh, that wonderful play out in center field in Pittsburgh. And then he made another one in San Francisco a couple weeks ago. You know, I, I really hope that, you know, Doyle finds a way to stay in center field. Um, but yeah, we were talking about Daza, but yeah, Daza is in AAA, but you know, I think in some ways it's a good thing just to give, you know, Doyle his playing time out in the outfield. Well, yeah, to answer the question, um, yeah, he is currently on the injured list in the minor leagues. And back in early May, he was outright to Albuquerque. So he is no longer, he hasn't been on the 40-man roster in the last two months. So to answer the question, we won't be seeing him back anytime soon. Now, needless to say, that doesn't mean that a team can trade for him. I mean, if it's, he, to your point, he is not a power hitter. He has virtually no power. He is a pure contact hitter. So um, he does. So if you need a guy to be, an, I see him at the, if, on the major level as a nine hole hitter, a guy who hits the nine spot and turns over a lineup. He's got good speed to be that guy at the back end who gets you some good hits, gets on bases, you pointed out, and then can turn over a lineup to the leadoff hitter. So they just, I think Bill Schmidt and the organization just didn't see value in him as part of the next future Rockies contender. And I, and I rightfully do agree. So doesn't mean a team can't ask Bill, hey, you want, I know you gave up on this guy. Would you be willing to give him to us? Because he's 29 years old. He's still got some good baseball, and he can offer a team some value as a, as a depth piece, I would say. So, yeah, we won't be seeing uh, Daza anytime soon. And to your point, Brent Doyle, we all know that, of course, field, the ball obviously flies fast through the thin air. And, of course, the dimensions of the outfield of course field are very unique in terms of the setup how ball, how uh, line drives are even hit. So I think you need a premier defensive center fielder, or is I would say is ideal. And I think Doyle is that guy. Um, so, and the thing is he could be, and I, again, I think if you can put together a, a lineup in which your one through six or seven hitters are very productive in a solid lineup, then I think you can afford to carry a guy like Brenton Doyle, who's not going to be, who's not going to light the world on fire but, or basically light up the stat sheet with his numbers, but he can provide you that gold glove caliber defense in center field. And just to point it out, you know, he's, you know, his last 30 games, he's hit, he had a slash line of 170, 248, and 273 slugging. But in the last seven, he's come on a little bit better with a 235, 318, and 353 slugging. So he's come around a little bit. I think He's in that period where he's adjusting to major league pitching, where pitchers now have a scouting report on him. They know what he likes, doesn't like, what fools him. So I think he's in that adjustment period right now where he's trying to adjust to the league because the league has adjusted to him. Right, yeah. Um, and then the last question from Ben Strong, 22, uh, he says, is ownership at all looking to spend anything on a true veteran, top-of-the-order pitcher to help this rotation? Um, I guess I'll, I'll go very quickly here because we've got to wrap this thing up. Um we know in the past, you know, decade or so, the Rockies have tried this. Um, they did it with Mike Hampton and Benny Neagle in the early 2000s. That didn't work, clearly. Um, in the early you know, 2011s and 2010s, that, that's those right around that period. The Rockies, they needed starting pitching depth, and uh, they went out and got Jamie Moyer and you know, Kyle Kendrick and those guys and Jeremy Guthrie. Those guys never really panned out, and I think that's when the Rockies – finally realize that they have to grow homegrown pitching because simply free agent starting pitchers are not going to want to come here. 
um, simply because of Coors Field and the altitude. It doesn't do well for their uh, agent. It doesn't go well for their contracts because, you know, a lot of not a lot of people would want a starting pitcher from Coors Field that pitches at Coors Field. And so um, to answer your question, Ben, I, I feel like the, the ownership, they know, like, I, I, it's more actually more of the GM because the ownership really is not in charge of doing the free agency or the signing, whatever. Um, it's more of the GM. And I feel like Bill Schmidt knows what he's doing. That's what he's doing right now in the draft. Uh, drafted, I believe, 14 pitchers this year in the draft. Uh, there are 20 picks. And then, you know, last year, basically the same thing. I, was, I think it was like 13 or 14 pitchers. So the Rockies have drafted a ton of pitching. And when you look at success in the history of the Rockies, I know it's not a lot, but, you know, 2007, most of those guys in that starting rotation, homegrown guys. 2017, 2018, homegrown guys. And so I feel like that's somewhat the recipe to succeed, you know, for pitching-wise in course field because when you, you know, when you have guys within your front office and your analytics department that, you know, they've seen this before, they have experience, they know how to fix these certain things, I feel like, you know, they're going to be good at course field. Like, you know, Kyle Freeland, for instance, you know, part of it is because, you know, he grew up in Colorado and the high altitude he pitched here, you know, I believe in high school, if I'm correct. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, you know, Ty Block, another guy who you know, did pretty well um, at Faith Christian up in, um, uh, I believe, Arvada or Longmont. Um, but, you know, there's a, there's several guys. So, yeah, um, I, I think for the Rockies, they know what they're doing. I think they know, they know that, you know, uh, you know, homegrown pitching is the way to go. And, you know, would it be nice to see Max Scherzer or, you know, Justin Verlander or guys like that come? Absolutely. But it's not very good for the long term because, again, like go back to the early 2000s. For those who have been longtime Rockies fans, you know what I'm talking about. The Rockies thought they were getting a very, you know, one of the best deals in franchise history, and it turns out to be one of the worst. And the Rockies have tried that route several times, and it has not worked. And so far – the safest route is to draft homegrown pitching and develop them. Um, Tom, what do you think? No, I would, as much as I'd love to see Shohei Otani put on a Rockies uniform and have a press <laughs> conference, as much as I'd love to see that, because he is going to be the top pitcher and hitter on the market this season, as much as I'd love to see that, it's not going to happen. You're correct. This, this front office, Bill Schmidt knows how he wants to build his pitching staff. Not to say he's not going to try. He could try. I mean, there's maybe – I'm looking at the list on Spotrack of the free agent pitchers for this offseason. Um, there's some he could engage in and actually say, hey, are you interested in coming here to Colorado? Because these pitchers that I have in mind are sinker, two-seam, change-up, uh, bottom-of-the-zone, induces weak contact type of pitchers. I could see him trying, but the problem is it is very difficult to lure top-tier – even mid-tier free agent pitchers to Colorado. So he could try, but the problem is with that is you may have to overpay pay more than what uh, is market value or more than what you would like to. So, and again, as we've, we've talked, and I'm sure anybody who's looked at the Rockies minor leagues right now, there are a number of guys making their way towards the major leagues. So there is good progression to the point where we could very well be seeing in the next maybe year or two as early the next starting five or potential starting five or starting six or six guys to put in a rotation of five um, for the next Rockies contender. Yeah. And, you know, there's a lot of names on there. Gabriel Hughes, you know, of course, I think he's 
on the injured list right now. I think it's uh, hopefully nothing too serious. I think a little bit of an elbow issue, so hopefully nothing too serious there. Joe Rock, that's another name. And then, of course, we got Chase Dolander, who's going to be coming up uh, pretty soon. I think he actually signed today officially. And yes, he's he did. Arizona to uh, start playing and doing uh, pitching camp. So that's exciting. So, yeah, there's there's a ton of pitchers that are coming up. It, even though right now it might seem bleak and, and dark for the Rockies, uh, pitching staff, hope is coming. You know, pitchers are coming. It just it might take a little while. And I think, you know, another name that we forgot to mention, you know, the Rockies signed Chris Flexen the other day. I think that's a very good signing. You know, I know he hasn't been good this year, but he had a lot of upside in Seattle and he was a top pitching prospect for them. So, um, okay, now let's move to the last segment. We've got to go through quickly because uh, we're coming up on that one hour mark and we don't want to keep you guys uh, for very long. But very quickly, we have a two game series against the Astros here at Coors Field. That should be exciting starting tomorrow, um, 640. Um, it will be a pitching, uh, you know, hopefully a pitching battle for the Rockies, but uh, on the mound for Houston. Um, you know, I really like this guy. He was coming up through the system for Houston. He's had been having a pretty solid year considering uh, he's a rookie, and that is Hunter Brown, uh, six and six this year with a 4.12 ERA, uh, 111 strikeouts and 94 innings. So that's very good. Whip of 1.33. So that's pretty solid. And uh, yeah, I mean, he's putting up solid numbers. You know, he's it was a fifth round pick uh, by the Astros in 2019. So that should be interesting. This will be his first start at Coors Field, and I feel like, you know. Whenever there's a, a young guy pitching at Coors Field for the first time, he always does well. So hopefully that's not the case. The Rockies can get, the, get after him tomorrow. Um, and tomorrow for the Rockies will be a bullpen day, I believe. Um, there's actually I, – I thought I heard somewhere that maybe Chris Flexen might be up. We'll see. Um, but regardless, it'll be a bullpen day tomorrow. And then uh, Wednesday, uh, the final game of the series, uh, I forget his name. I think it's Beliak, if I'm correct. Um, yes, Brennan Biliak uh, will be pitching on the mound for the Astros. He's been uh, pretty solid this year, 4-5 and five with a 379 ERA, uh, 46 strikeouts, 59 innings pitched. So he's not a strikeout guy, so hopefully the Rockies can get some contact. So he's been mainly a contact guy. Uh, I believe he pitched pretty well against the Rockies a couple weeks ago during the 4th of July weekend. Um, his whip is a little bit high, 1.47, so that will be interesting to watch. And that will be a day game, and usually the ball flies during the day, so – my bet is that the Rockies will do better that on that day. And uh, Austin Gomber will be going uh, on the mound for the Rockies, and he's been pitching pretty solid over the last few starts. Um, so, uh, Tom, do you have any thoughts before we go on the upcoming series? Well, as we know, the Astros are 8-4 and four in the month of July, and that includes the two-game sweep that we had at the hands of them in Houston. We, but the thing about those games real quick is, we, the Rockies only lost four to one and six to four. So they, so they kept it close. And of course, the big thing is, you know, the, they're coming off the series winning against the Yankees, but the Astros just swept the Angels in Anaheim. So they're riding some momentum and they're the currently the third wild card team and they're two games ahead of the Red Sox and Yankees. So they got something to play for, especially considering Houston, I'm sorry, the Texas Rangers have really kind of taken control. Not, they haven't run away, but they, they have a good hold on the first place in, that, in the AL West. So I'm really interested to see Austin Gomber pitch in game two, see how he does and continues his very solid streak of solid starts. Or actually, I should say quality starts too. But, you know, be careful. Don't let the ball, don't let the Astros get the ball up in the air because they've got a lot of power, good power bats that can really drive the ball out of the ballpark. Mm-hmm. 
in the, I believe the last time the Astros were at Coors Field was in 2021, which the Rockies actually swept that series. I think it was a two-game series. So who knows? Maybe good luck will find its way to Coors Field once again um, in that series. And again, like like what you said, hopefully Gomber can keep the ball down, which he's actually been commanding the ball quite well. Um, there's been a couple of pitches where he kept the ball up against the Yankees, especially in that first inning uh, against San. That was kind of right in the sweet spot there. So, um, and yeah, like I mean. The Astros, they do have some injuries in their rotation, and they're relying on their younger guys. And that's just an amazing thing for the Astros, too. Like, a lot of – even, you know, like the Rockies, a lot of their good stars are out, and um, they have a lot of younger guys already. And I think that's what the Rockies are doing in the farm system. And it, it's kind of familiar, you know, kind of similar, you know, the way the Astros are working and kind of like what the Rockies – the Rockies are kind of like piggy, piggybacking what the, what the Astros are doing. So um, that would be interesting to see there. I, I could see the uh, the Rockies getting at least one win in this series. I think the second game might be a better shot just because, you know, uh, you're going to have a more of a reliable starter in Austin Comber where bullpen game, you really don't know what's going to happen. Uh, could go either way, but uh, I guess we'll we'll have to wait and see what happens. But uh, anyway, folks, I think that will do it for today's podcast, podcast number 24. Um, and, you know, again, I want to say thank you to Tom for uh, – coming on board and and i'm really excited for the podcast are we're going to be doing for uh the foreseeable future you know he's now part of it so i um, hope you guys get to know tom uh a lot more throughout the podcast and, and on his uh on his social networking um tom thanks again for coming on board and uh and having this podcast today no awesome i'm looking forward to it. and the last point i'll make about the series of the astros we don't have to see Rambo Valdez, Rambo Valdez, but uh yeah i mean Looking forward to it. Thanks so much for having me and uh, all the listeners. I hope you enjoy my takes on your opinions and uh, looking forward to uh, talking to you guys in the future. All right. I think that'll do it. Have a great day, everyone. Go Rockies.